thank you because we are we're here by your grace, Lord. We thank you because even in this story, you demonstrate such grace. You show your heart and your desire, Lord God, for all of your creation. Father, you show that, Lord God, that you don't desire to bring calamity. You desire us, Lord God, to walk in all that you have desired for us that is good. Father, I pray that even as we're dealing with essentials, Lord God, that this would become a very essential in our hearts. I pray, God Almighty, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church today, specifically to us in this place. Father, I ask you to be glorified in these next few moments, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your words would sink deep into our hearts, that we would leave here, Lord God, with a more fuller and clearer understanding of you and your ways, but above that, Lord God, with a deeper devotion and commitment to you and your ways. Father, we thank you for this, and we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name someone said. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We talked about the importance of our understanding of God and who he is. We dealt last week with the importance of understanding and, the, and our faith in the very word of God. And so what we're talking about is our belief system. And today we're going to deal with a portion of our belief system. Our faith must be built in the beginning with a clear understanding of who God is. And so as we are building our belief system, as we are building that which God desires, or should I say allowing God to build in us, we have to have a clear understanding of who God is. We have to have a clear understanding of his character. We have to have a clear understanding of his nature. And we have to have a clear understanding of who he truly is. That he is not just some God, some faraway God, but that he is the one true God who paid a great price for us that we would be able to know him. Once we have that understanding, once we understand the character and the nature and truly who God is, who the one true God is, our faith must be firmly established by, in, and upon his holy word. So our faith isn't just, okay, I know who the one true God is because there are many people who grow up in church and so they have an understanding of who the one true God is. You ask them and they'll say the, the, the God of Christianity, the God of the church that I grew up in, that is the one true God. Yet their faith is not built upon his word. Their faith is not built by his word. Their faith is not built by who he is. Their faith can be built in many different things. Their faith can be built like we talked about last week in superstitions and we become superstitious rather than a people of faith. And so God is showing us in these series of messages that our faith needs to be built. Our belief system needs to be built based upon the word of God. And as we grow in our relationship with God in any relationship, there will always be a time of testing and proving and devotion. And we're going to experience those times where we go through situations and we experience circumstances where this relationship is going to be tested. When Jesus talked about sowing the seed out, and he, and he said that some seed fell on the wayside, some seed fell on the stony ground, some seed fell among the thorns. He talks about this seed that falls in a, in a place where it's got the shallow ground, and it says all of a sudden, this seed just jumps up. They receive it with joy. Yes, Jesus loves me is what they're saying. Hear me now. This seed of salvation 
yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, he loves me. And as soon as this persecution arises, as soon as that sun rises up, all of a sudden, wait a second, what happened to the yes, Jesus loves me? I'm not sure if Jesus loved me, so I'll continue on doing what I was doing. Every relationship is going to go through testing, and it is the hope that as, as our relationships go through testing, our relationship with God goes through testing, that we come out on the other side of these tests, strengthened in our trust and our hope in who he is. Not that we're like that, you know, that, 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 that person who jumps for joy and runs, and it seems like they're running fast, but as soon as difficulty comes, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust him. That's the reason why you got to understand who he is. You have to understand his character. You have to understand what his word says. And listen, we are never going to fully be able to understand and comprehend every single thing that he says in his word. But we can grow in grace. We can grow in that understanding. A very essential component to our belief system is a clear understanding of the sovereign nature of God and his grace toward us. It's important for us to understand that God is a sovereign God. He is in control of all things. There's nothing that is outside of him. There's nothing that he is not able to do. There is nothing that he is not able to govern and guide. I was thinking, and I remember when I was, right before I gave my life to Jesus, this is, it's funny because as you continue to grow in the Lord and you begin to see things, I remember that for like a month before I came to Christ, there was some serious spiritual warfare going on in my life. Now, mind you, I had no clue there was spiritual warfare going on in my life. I had no clue what was going on in the spirit realm, but I understood that there was some battles that were going on. And I remember the, the, the night, the night that I gave, or, or actually a couple of nights before, like about three weeks before I gave my life to Jesus, I remember as God the Father was calling me, and, and, and listen, God will use whatever. Listen to me. God will use whatever. He'll use whatever. Now, his, 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 we are called to be his voice. We are called to be the ones who are speaking his word and his gospel. But God will use whatever. And so what am I saying? What I'm saying is you and I don't have to depend on whatever. We need to depend on the word of God. You don't have to go. See, I, what I'm about to tell you, I don't want you to think you need to get someone in this condition to bring them to Jesus. Amen. So I am a person who is highly intoxicated by a certain drug, right, messed up, and I am in a car. I'm sitting in this car, in the back seat of the car, and I'm listening to the radio. Now, now, mind you, I told you I was high, right? So that means that we weren't listening to Christian music. Hello. Obviously, right? So we're listening to this music. We are listening to the, and, and I'm sitting in the back seat. And, and, and I, don't, I don't remember the song that I was playing. All I know is that in this song, God was telling me, I'm your father, and I know everything that's going on around you. And I'm going to tell you how, how come I knew this was crazy. Because when I got home, this, this, I'm telling you how real this was. When I got home, I went to my earthly father. And I was like, Dad, you need to tell me. And he's like, tell you what? And I said, man, you, I, I, I pulled him in the bedroom. I said, Dad, you need to tell me. And he's like, tell you what, Jason? I'm like, Dad, you got to, how do you know? And he's like, know what? I'm like, how do you know everything that's going on? How do you know? How, what, what, how do you know? And he's like, Jason, you better stop doing them drugs, man. You need to stay in here and chill out for a moment and get it right. And I was like, nah, man, my dad was talking to me through this. A couple of, you know, a couple of, um, Weeks later, the night that I actually give my life to Jesus, as I'm on my way home, same situation, messed up, 
listening to that radio. And on my way home, God is breaking it down for me through the music on the radio. You see, because what happens is these, these folk that are on the radio, they think they're the man. They think they're God and all that. So God says, well, I'll use this donkey to talk to you because they think they're God. And so they, they, they got it right. Everything they're saying, that's God, not them. So you, you got to get it. That, that's God, right? Yeah, he, he's the man. He's in control. He's rocking, he, all that. And as I'm on my way home, it's rocking in my head. Boom, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And what I'm telling you is, even though I didn't realize it, I was in his hands the whole time. Did you hear me? Parents, be encouraged by what I just said. Even though I didn't realize it, it didn't look like it to everybody else. I was in his hands. Do I understand that? No. Do I, do, I, do I totally grasp the concept? No, I'm growing in grace. Amen? But the reality is, I, I love this, you know, and, and, and it's funny because I, I was in this conference this whole weekend, and so, you know, they're talking about all of it. Now, mind you, I'm in this conference, and these guys are really big time into the sovereignty of God and all this, and so they said something that was, that was pretty, pretty, pretty funny to me, and I thought, it was, I thought it was really awesome, actually. He said, you know, we don't believe in seeker-sensitive because we don't believe in people that are seekers. We, be, we believe in a capital S seeker, meaning God is the one seeking us. Hear me. And I said, wow, God is seeking us. He came to, Jesus came. I mean, look, look at the scripture. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Who's running after who? Oh, come on now. You read the scriptures. What do the scriptures communicate? The scriptures communicate. I revealed myself unto a people who didn't call for me. They weren't looking for me. I showed myself to them. He's the one seeking us. And so what I didn't, real, I didn't realize that I was in his hands, but hear me now, church. Whether we acknowledge being in God's hands or not does not make a difference. Now, let me say this because I want to clarify this real quick. Although I know that I was in his hands, if I would have died in that state, I was going to hell. Did you hear what I just said? Although I was in his hands, living, I mean, foul, I was living out there. I was, if I would have died, it's not like God would have said, okay, you was living foul and everything, and I just love you, so come on up. No. Not like that. So I don't want you to get it twisted either. Don't, don't, don't be, oh, I'm in his hands, so I'm good. No, you ain't good. <laughs> You're not good. <clears throat> we find here, in this scripture here, <clears throat> in the book of Jeremiah, God is speaking to the prophet, tells the prophet, prophet, go to the potter's house. I want to speak to you. And I've said this before, and I just want to remind you of this. God is not only going to speak to you in your prayer closet. God can speak to you in other places. It is important for us to be available to hear from him wherever we are. It is important for us to be open to hear what he's speaking to us. He is not only going to speak to us. Oh, yes, he's going to speak to us in a prayer closet. He's going to speak to us in church. He's going to speak to us in our living room as we're reading his word. He's going to speak to us. But you know what? He can speak to you when you're on your way to work. He can speak to you when you get to your workplace. He can speak to you by you seeing something that is going on. He can begin to declare something and show you something about himself and speak to you about his will. And so he begins to communicate to Jeremiah. And he tells Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I want you to go to the potter's house. I have something that I want to communicate to you. And verse 3 says, then I went down to the potter's house. And there he was, the potter, making something at the wheel. Notice the potter is at work. Say, the potter's at work. He's making something. He's not sitting by idle. He is working. He is doing something. And verse 4 says, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in his hand. 
Notice this. In the potter's hand, the clay is ruined. You think it's possible to be ruined in God's hands? See, sometimes we're ruined for our better. <laughs> Glory to God. See, when I, when, when I was out there living like that, you want to know, I'm going to tell you something. When I was a little kid, I made some serious commitments to the Lord. And you want to know what put me, what, what I believe in, in, a, in a great way had me in God's hand in an active way? My grandmother, my mother, the church that I ended up going to, they were praying unceasingly for me. And so God is like, okay, what I was making in my hand is now ruined, so I'm going to go ahead and do something to it. Glory to God. It's not, it's not being molded the way that I want it to be molded. It's not being shaped the way that I want. Therefore, I'm going to ruin. I, it is going to become like this. If we're not paying attention to him, we end up becoming ruined. Hello. He goes on to say here, <clears throat> continuing on. He said, it was marred in the potter's hand, so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hands, O house of Israel. The first thing that I want you to repeat after me is this, is say, do you truly believe and understand what it means to be in the potter's hands? When, when we're talking about being in the potter's hands, and, 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 and I want to talk about it being in the positive sense right now because there is a negative sense. It, 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 it is a scary thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And so we realize that. I'm not talking about that when you are just been in rebellion and rejection of God. I want to talk to people that I believe have a relationship, have a desire for God. I want you to understand, being in the hands of the potter means that you are in the most secure and the safest place that you can be. But here's what it also means. It means that you are there because he chose you to be there, not because you decided you want to be there. Oh, you, you, you ain't getting it. Notice, there was, there's a whole bunch of clay that the potter can get, and he decides this is the piece of clay that's going to be on this wheel right now. The clay didn't say, the clay could have said whatever, but the clay didn't say nothing. The clay didn't say, pick me, pick me. That isn't what happened. You know, right? No, no, no. He just, he said, you know, I, I've been preparing this clay for something. And we know before the foundation of the world, right, God has had some good works that have been prepared for us. And so we realize he decides, grabs his clump of clay, throws it on the wheel, and says, all right, it's time to get to work. And as he decides to start working, we need to realize he chooses us. We don't decide this on our own. It's something that he, and when I say we don't decide it, we don't just jump up there. He draws us aggressively coming after us. Being in the potter's hands means that we are being molded into the image of his son. That's his purpose. Those who God foreknew, he did predestine. Predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son. That's his desire is that all of creation, all of his creation would come to the saving knowledge of who he is. And that way what? We can all become the image of the son of God in this earth. We can grow into this character. And so he desires to do what? To mold us and to make us into the image of the son. When we look at this clay and this potter, we realize that just as the clay is totally dependent upon the potter, so are we. Listen, we're talking about essentials here. And the title of the message is this, in his hands by grace. In his hands by grace. When we talk about all of these essentials, we have to grasp God's sovereign power, God's sovereign ability. We have to grasp who he is. We have to grasp our dependence upon him. Listen, it's important for us to acknowledge we are in the hands of the potter because it produces something in us. But whether we recognize it or not, that doesn't change the facts. Hello. 
doesn't change the facts. He's working something in us. Begin or being in the potter's hand does not guarantee perfection or an easy life, but it does guarantee the perfecting of our faith and our character. See, God desires, he's, he's over here, he's molding, got this, got, got this wheel of the potter, and he's there, and, and it's being molded and shaped, and suddenly this thing starts to get marred. It becomes ruined. Something, it, it's not looking like what he, what, what, what he desires to make. And then the scripture shows us that he does what? He goes like this with it. You like that sound effect right there? He's like, this, this ain't looking right. <laughs> This, this, this is not correct. And so what does he do? All right, let's bring, let, let, let's bring this thing down. Let's humble this thing. Oh, I know he thought he was looking cute. I know she thought she was looking. They, they thought they had it going on. Hold on a second. Time out. This is not what I'm making. They, no, that, that's, that's not looking right. This, 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 can, I, can, can I give you another beautiful picture here of the potter? You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't take the clay and throw it out the door. That's hopeful for me, glory to God. Because I know there's plenty of times he's got to go. Mm-hmm. Plenty of times he's got to humble me. Plenty of times he's got to break me down and say, wait a second, son. That's not what I'm trying to build. That's not what I'm trying to make. That's not what I'm trying to do. And, and it's up to me to say, okay, you know what, God, I'm in your hands. And I need to submit to that whole thing that's going on in my life. Amen? Number two, say this with me. Do you know how to trust the processor more than the process? Do you know how to trust him over the process? You see, because, we, because sometimes we want to communicate to people, man, trust the process. Man, it ain't easy to trust the process all the time. Sometimes this process is scary. This process is an insecure situation. This process can be a bankruptcy. This process can be through a sickness. This process can be through a discouraging time. This process can be like a Job situation, just losing everything and don't You want to trust the process? Or the processor. The potter is the one who is molding. The potter is the one who is making. Don't worry about the process. Don't worry about who is in the process either. Because God may be using someone that you hate, you can't stand. God may be using a very difficult situation. And yet, you shouldn't get mad at them. You should be rejoicing in the processor of your faith. The one who is molding you and developing you and making you what he's called you to be. It's the processor. Forget the people. Forget the process. Trust him. Whatever he's doing, he's doing it for what? For your good and his glory. That's what he's doing it for. But the question is, do you know how to trust him in spite of? In spite of whoever, in spite of whatever. One of the greatest challenges that we, that once we recognize that we are in the hands of the potter, is to be able to trust him within and more importantly, above everything we face. And I mean the good and the bad. Let me, let, me, let me give you some good situations. Job is good. Family's good. Everything's good. Now, 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 let me ask you this. Are you really focused on the processor while everything is good? Where are, I mean, for real now. Let, 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 let's be real for a moment. Think about it. You may not be in a situation where everything is good, so you can't answer this question. But for those of us that may be in a situation where, you know, I ain't got no problems, ain't nothing really bad going on, everything is good. Are you really secure in him or your situation? Real, I, mean, I mean, be for real. Are you secure 
in the job you have because their stocks are going up and everything is looking great for them? Are you secure in them because of that? Or are you secure in the one who really sustains you? Are you focused in him? Are you secure because well, I have seniority, so I'm going to be the last one to go? Where, 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 where is your security? Is it in the processor? Because even in that good, he's processing you. Even in that good, he's still working on you. You ever notice, you know, you usually go through like these really great times and you hit like these low moments. Hello. <laughs> you go through these great and just glorious mountain and you're like in a valley. You can't, look, you can't see the light no way, shape, or form. You're just like, oh, my God, how did I get here? How do you handle that stuff? Well, it depends on what you were trusting during the good times. Were you trusting the good times or were you trusting God? Because we can talk about all the bad stuff. We can talk about we're going through difficulty. Yeah, it's hard to trust him through the difficulty. It's hard to trust him through a job loss. It's, it's hard to trust him through a bankruptcy. It's hard to trust him through sickness. It's hard to trust him through all of these things. I heard, I heard the most powerful testimony. This man had me ready to cry this weekend. And I, and I have to share this with you. This, this is a man, he has, um, he has some kind of brain cancer. And um, I, I, don't, I don't know the name of it, but it is like really, really just crazy, this thing. And he get, you know, he, 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 he had a seizure is what it was. When he had a seizure, he goes to the doctor, and the doctor takes an x-ray, do a, you know, a CAT scan or whatever of his head, and they see that he has, like, you know, a tumor that's, like, the size of a golf ball or whatever. Tells him, listen, man, don't worry about it. You know, this probably just, you know, just nothing. Just, um, you know, we're going to give you some, you know, seizure medication, and you'll probably be okay. When all the tests come back, the doctor says, look, man, you're going to have to come up in here this Friday because we got to do this surgery. He was like, oh, hold on a second. I thought I just passed out or something like that. He goes through this, has this surgery, finds out the type of, uh, of, the, the type of um, cancer that it is, and he's, and he's telling us this story. He said, you know, he said, I, I want you to understand this here. He said, here, here, here's reality. He said, the reality is, he said, my present condition is great. My present report is great. My future report looks bad. And I'm going to explain why. He said, because right now, the cancer, the type of cancer that I have, it is very responsive to the chemo. So the chemo that I'm taking, it responds to it. it, it it's, it's not active, you know, cancer-free at this moment. Said, but 80% of patients, once they finish the chemo, the cancer comes back. And because of the type of cancer it is, it doesn't respond to the chemo. So you have nothing to do about this, right? Now look, he's sitting here and he's like, wow. You would hear him talk. He's not crying. You would think tears are running down his face. The guy has a big, thriving church. I mean, powerful minister of the, of the word of God. And he says, you know, people come up to him and they're like, listen, you know, we know that God is going to heal you. Because, you know, look at everything you're doing. You're such a great man, such a wonderful person. And he tell, he's, he's telling us, like, do they read their Bible? John the Baptist, I mean, he did great things. He was a wonderful person. And his ministry lasted, like, half of Jesus. I don't even know. <laughs> did the, I mean, did, and he says, you know, but I have those moments. And th 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 this is the point that I want to get to. He said, I have those moments where I'm thinking, man, what about the church? What about my wife? What about my kids? And he says, God reminded him, he said, son, those aren't yours. I'm a better father than you. I'm a better husband than you. I'm a better pastor than you. Do you think you love them more than I love them? Trusting the potter, trusting the processor, understanding anything you do, good, guess where it came from? It'll hurt without you. Oh, yes. But he's not going to stop being good. 
He's not going to stop caring. He's not going to stop developing, right? Because what? He is the process. We don't want to hear that stuff. But here's the truth. The truth of the matter is we got to consider those things. Who are we trusting? The key to trusting the potter is to stay in communion with him and to remain spiritually moist. See, because I noticed something. When you work with that clay, right, you ever look at these people working with the clay? It's wet. Right? It's, it's wet. So they can mold it. If it gets dry, guess what's going to happen? It starts breaking. So how do you stay moist spiritually? It's like a spiritual towelette or something. Hey, just go and grab that on the way out. No. <laughs> how, how, how do you remain in a pliable, moldable state always? You see, because you need this because of this. Because as the, the, the potter is processing, you know what he's doing? He is stretching you. You hear me? He is stretching you into shape. And you know what happens when we're being stretched? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. It's painful when we're being stretched. It's painful. <laughs> Listen, it hurts. But can I tell you something? Whether you are obedient to the Father and are being stretched by him, or you are obedient to the devil, your flesh, and those desires, you will be being stretched by them. So hear what I'm saying. Regardless, you are going to be being stretched in one direction or the other. Did you hear what I just said? You and I are going to be stretched whether we like it or not. The thing is that God is like, look, I'm going to stretch you. It's going to be painful. I'm going to love you through it. The devil says, oh, don't worry. There's no pain. Just come on over here. You're going to have a good time. And you find yourself being stretched all out of shape. You find yourself being pulled and, and things, I mean, being destroyed. And, and God is saying, look, I just want to mold you. I want to build you up into what I want to build you up. When the difficult comes and we are being crushed, we must learn to rest in the hands of the potter. See, if we look at how gracious God is, look, read, 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 read it with me. He says, oh, house of Israel in verse 6, he says, can I not do with you as the potter? Says the Lord, look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hands, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a, a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I brought, that, 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 that I was to bring upon it. Look at what he says. He shows his grace. He says, look, he says, when I speak to a nation and I tell this nation that I'm going to bring destruction or when God is communicating to your life and saying son, saying daughter, saying whatever, you are going in the wrong direction. You are not praying. You are not seeking me. You are disobeying. You are hiding. You are doing sinful things all by you. When God is communicating that stuff to you, it is because he wants you to turn to him. He wants you to turn away from the destruction that is ahead of you. It's not because he wants you to just sit there and say, oh, yeah, I know I'm not doing those things. Oh, yeah, I know I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not serving in the way I should. Oh, yeah, I know I'm disobeying. No, no, no. He wants you to turn. Why? Because he doesn't want to destroy. He doesn't want to do that. He wants, look, when, when Jonah, Jonah, when you think about Jonah, Jonah was upset with the Lord. He's like, man, I don't want to go and preach to these people because I know you. I'm going to go preach to these people and tell them they, that, that calamity is coming. And you're going to turn away and you're not going to throw it on them. And I, I'm going to waste my time. I'm risking my life going in there. He's like, I, I don't make. You saw, you remember the story what happened to Jonah? He ended up in, a, in, in the belly of a fish, right? Okay. He's like, all right, Lord, I'll do what you say. He goes over here. 
Thus says the Lord. And he gets mad, you know, he's like, the people are like, we're in trouble. They repent. Calamity doesn't come. Jonah gets upset. Here's the thing. We can see in Jonah's story clearly the heart of God. I want, you know why I bring that one up? I'm going to tell you why I bring that one up. Because that was a heathen nation. Those were people outside of the covenant of Israel. So even in Old Testament days, before Jesus came, God was showing his mercy to any nation that would repent before him. How much better today that Jesus died on the cross, offers salvation to all men, and he says, you know what? If you will turn from your sin, I will forgive your sin, and I will raise you up, and I will bring you into all that I have for you. Most importantly, you're going to reign with me in eternity. So we find a God that demonstrates his mercy. But then he goes on and says something else. And you got to read it with me because you got to see this also because this is where we get confused sometimes. In the instant, verse 9, I speak to a nation. I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build, to plant it. If it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. Look at that. Sometimes we think, well, God said it's going to be good for me. God said I'm blessed and highly favored. It doesn't matter how I act. It doesn't matter how I live. God is on my side. Is that what your Bible just told you? That's not what the scripture said, did it? Oh, God wants to bless. God wants to do good. God wants you, wants you to experience all that he has for you. And when I say that, don't take it the wrong way because I ain't going to sit here and say we're going to be rich and have a big house. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. Uh-uh. I'm not saying everything's going to be perfect. What I'm saying is he is going to walk with you. He wants to walk. He doesn't, he doesn't want to walk against you. But we get our big head, right? See how God communicates. I, I, I remember one brother, he told me one time. This is a sad situation, and so I do not say this rejoicing. He tells me, you know, we, we, were, we were counseling one time, and he left his church. He was in, like, rebellion or whatever the case was, you know, upset with some situations that happened there. And he went back to the church for a service. And he said that, the, that when he walked in the door, that the person who was, who was speaking is, you know, a prophet or whatever. And he said that as soon as he walked in, he was getting ready to walk out. You know, he walked in, sat down, and, you know, I guess he felt uncomfortable. He was getting ready to leave. He said the prophet called him and said, hey, I need you to come over here. <laughs> and so the prophet brings him before the whole church, right, and goes and gives him this prophetic word about how right he was and the way that he did everything and yada, yada, yada. And he was like, and the Lord, you know, he was showing me that I was good. He said, I left there with my head up. I want to tell you something. That person ended up losing everything. Why? Because they had pride and arrogance in their heart. And I only tell you this not because of what I'm saying, because they confessed it to me later on. They recognized my problem was I was arrogant. And so you know what God will do? Oh, you want to be arrogant? You want to act like you don't want to repent? You don't want to humble yourself? Okay. And still in that, the brother's alive. So you know what God showed? His mercy. He didn't kill him. He could have killed him and the dude would have been in hell or whatever the case was. But God is, you know what? You're going you, to walk in rebellion. You experience it. I want to bless you. I want to do good in your life. I want to do right things in your life. See, that's why it's important that whenever, listen to me, whenever, whenever somebody comes to you talking about, I'm speaking to you in the name of the Lord, man, don't deny your reality. 
don't deny your present condition of your heart, man. Don't, don't act like, oh, well, I guess God's not looking at that. No, that's not true. God is looking at all of those things there. It doesn't mean walk in condemnation. It does, because there's times that God has to bring us up. You know, Jeremiah is sitting there. God is trying to call him into ministry. And he's like, look, man, I'm just a kid. You know, he's, that's his present situation. And God's like, hold on a second. You know, I created the tongue, right? You know, I've called you from before. He, 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 he breaks all that down for him. This wasn't a sin issue, church. This is what I'm talking about. So if you've got people coming to talk to you and you know you're not living right, man, you need to repent before God. Hear me. He communicates in his word. He says, listen, if I tell a nation that I'm going to bring calamity on them, they repent, I'll turn from that. If I tell a nation or a person that I'm going to do good by them, you know what? If they don't do right, if they begin to sin against me and they begin to dishonor me, this is what happens. I relent from that. And there are other things that occur in their life is not the will of God, not what he wants for them. But again, in his hand, he's molding. It gets marred. It gets ruined. He crushes it, has to start to build up again. Third thing, and this is going to be one of the last things that we'll talk about. Third thing, say this with me. Do you really believe that the end, the fruit, and all the answers come from him and are in spite of us? Do you really believe that? Do, do, do you really believe that? I'm going to tell you, so sometimes I don't believe that. So I'm going to say that for me because I'm just going to confess to you. Sometimes I, don't, sometimes I think, you know what, it happened because I prayed so much. It happened because I was fasting. It happened because I was memorizing the word of God and I just, it happened because, hold on a second. Who is, who is the author and finisher of our faith? Jesus. Who is the potter? Him. We, we sow the seed. We water. Who gives the growth? God. This is what the Bible teaches. So do we really believe that? Do we really believe that in the end, in the end, it is all his glory? In the end, it is not because we are so great. It is not because we are so wonderful. It is not because we are so knowledgeable. It is not because we have it all together because if we're honest, we don't always have it all together. We have those days, right, that we feel super spiritual. Glory to God. Those days that we wake up, we're, I mean, we, we, we wake up and it's like, oh, I feel the presence of God. Wake up with a song in your heart. Wake up with word. I mean, God, this morning I woke up and the Lord was just speaking. I was like, glory to God, this is a spiritual day. <laughs> and then there's other days, man, I wake up, man, I don't want to pray. I get, up, I'm, I get up late. I hit, you know, y'all think I'd be just making up stuff, right? I'm like just guessing stuff. Man, I hit the snooze button just like everybody else in this church. Hello, somebody. Uh-huh. Yeah, I do it. Yeah. I have those days. <laughs> I have those moments where it, I, I'm not so spiritual. But listen, do you think that God just says, okay, well, you're having a bad day, so I left you? You think that's what happens? Who do you think got you through that day? It was the potter. Oh, you're having a good day, so that means I'm with you more? No, I've always been with you the whole time. Hello. I'm with you in the good days and the bad days. I'm walking with you through them. I'm molding you in all of them. But the question is, do we really believe that the end, that the fruit, that all of the answers, everything comes from him in spite of us? This is what Jesus went to the cross for, church, in spite of us, so that we, through him we would have victory. Oh, you should have got excited there. You don't have to get loud. You just have to get excited, glory to God. So, Jesus went to the cross for all of our sin, every sin, the past, present, and future, he paid the price. 
Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that we walk around like we have no responsibility? No. Your Bible teaches you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So don't go ahead and get lackadaisical and just chill out and go in cruise control mode and I'm going to just live this thing, whatever, because no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I would be unfaithful to the scripture to say that. But when it comes to the results and the overall and everything like that, listen, he, he, he's not going to look at you and say, oh, it's all about you. No, it's not all about you. It's about his grace in me, his grace in you, his grace in us, his grace, everything. It is God who purposes, God who wills, God who does through, oh, glory to God. It is him, not us. It's him. It's all about him. As the clay, we have nothing. I wrote this on, I wrote this on, on, on Facebook. I said, we add nothing to our salvation but the sin that required it. Did you hear what I just said? We, I, I, I stole it from someone at that conference. Someone said it over there. It wasn't me. Let me give credit. I don't know who said it first, but anyway. We add nothing to our sin. I mean, our salvation. Glory to God. Thank you, Pastor Robert. We had nothing to our salvation except the sin that requires it. Nothing. We can do nothing good. There's nothing good in us. He's good. Jesus said that. There's no one good except the Father. No one. But when we're looking at our lives, what do we have to offer the potter? What, let me ask you this. What did the clay offer the potter? What? Nothing. He was a piece of clay. It was a piece of clay that was there. The potter soaked it in water, pulled it out, said, okay, I'm going to mold you. And then the potter does what? This is awesome. I was talking to Jimmy about this. The potter is sitting there. And you know what happens? When you work with clay, guess what you have to do? You have to get filthy. When you work with clay, if you are going to mold it, you have to get filthy. You have to get dirty. And that is what Jesus did. When he put on flesh, he got filthy. He got dirty. He got down deep involved in our sin so that way we could be molded into the image and likeness of him. He did it for us. And that is why we say, what do I have to offer? Nothing. I am a piece of clay. I am dirt. You are the potter. And I surrender all to you because I'm in your hands by your grace. That's it. He got dirty, church. He got dirty. He got dirty for us. For us. So that way we could have life. One of the greatest reasons why we end up being crushed is because we forget who the source is of all that we have. One of the greatest reasons why we, I got to humble you, is because you forget who the source is. Because you forget who is the source of everything? It's not your job. It's not your 401K. It's not your great investment I. None of that. It is him. It is not because you've read 55 books on how to be a good husband and now you have every answer. No, it is because of him. It's not because you read 19 books on how to be a good parent. No, it's because of him. Oh, yeah, he'll use all them books and all the wisdom that's good and he'll pour it in you. That's right. But guess who was pouring? Him. Who moved the writers to write those? Well, I guess they got illuminated, hopefully, in the Word of God. Wrote it down. You read it. Guess what? It was all him. All him in our lives. Too often, too often, church, we take hardship, heartache, and the like as though God left us, but the opposite is true. Many times, God allows these as his call unto us to repent, to turn away from sin. 
Many times, not every time, because that's, that's what happens to us religiously. We get in a mindset, every time someone goes through something hard, it must be sin. Not true. How would you, how, how would you, how would you equate that if you applied that to Job's life? God was bragging on Job the whole time. Until the end, God was like, hold on a second. You're getting a little crazy now. A little, little, little self-righteous there. You know, you know me so well, right? But here, not, 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 not every, but Paul. Paul loved God with everything that was in him. What was he separated for? To show how much he was going to suffer. I love it. Glory to God. That's not the ministry we want, right? The suffering ministry. I love. I, I, I listened to that pastor. That one pastor was talking about his cancer situation. I listened to him break it down. He's like, nobody wants the ministry of Moses. Hello. Over here. Okay, Moses, you're going to lead these people through the desert for these 40 years. I mean, th- this is ministry in reality. His ministry is to wait until these people die. That's his ministry. I have to suffer with these people for these 40 years because I can't get into the promised land until they die. Then when they die, he takes them up there and says, you ain't going. Who wants to sign up for that one? <laughs> You're going to preach to them about the promise land, teach them about the promise land. They're going to grumble. You're going to want to kill them all the time. And then at the end of it all, you don't even get to walk into the promise land. You get to sit up on a mountain and look at it. That's why Moses died of heart. He was like, oh, my Lord, that was gorgeous. All these years, man, hallelujah. <laughs> Listen, who wants that ministry? Who wants that ministry? Nobody wants that ministry, man. One, one, you, you, we we, we got we to look at what our Bible teaches about our God, that even in all of these negative situations, God is the reward that we get. He is the reward, church. And throughout it all, he's molding us in his hands. So we can't take hardship as always a thing to repent. Sometimes it's for us just to grow. That's all it is. It's just for us to grow so we can grow, so we can grow in our commitment, so we can grow in our submission. I can tell you one thing, when, and, and, and I use this pastor again as an example. He says clearly, he's like, look, man, you know, I thought I was like, I just trusted God 100%. When this hit my life, I was like, wow, do I really? Those questions come. You know, because sometimes us, you know, as leaders, you know, we get spiritual. Hello, we get spiritual. Like today, I got spiritual this morning. Glory to God. Get spiritual, get some knowledge. Get a little puffed up. All right, let's test this thing out. And God's not playing games with us, so don't take it that way. He's molding us into his image and likeness. That's what he's doing through it all. And so we must remain in there and see what he's trying to call us through this. So here's my question, and I'm closing with this. Are you having issues resting in the potter's hand? Are you? I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's a good time. Maybe everything is good, and you're just really having issues, really being focused and really being committed to the potter. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. Maybe you're going through one of those seasons that you, don't just, you just don't understand. The question is, are you having issues? That's the question. It doesn't matter where you're at because we all have issues trusting the potter, different places in our life. The question is, do you trust him? The question is, are you having issues trusting the potter, that he is working these things out? Listen, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you with what I felt in my heart so strongly this morning that we have to understand. And it is that the gospel starts where the gospel ends. Hear what I just said. The gospel starts where the gospel ends. What's the last thing that Jesus says when he's hanging on that cross? It is finished. When the gospel begins, Jesus' birth, what is he doing? It's finished. Prophecy finished. 
Next one, finished. I did this, finished. Throughout the whole gospel, what is he communicating? I'm letting you know this prophecy, finished. It's finished. We need to learn to trust in the finished work of Jesus. We need to trust in the completed work of Christ. I heard something that was so liberating for me, and so I'll share it with you. Two things. One of them is this. I'll share this one first because it'll set me up for the second one. Whenever a Christian, and this was J.I. Packer who said this, and I probably read it and I just don't remember it because I read the book Knowing God so many years ago, and out of my memory doesn't serve me that well. That was a thick book. Hallelujah. But he said that when a Christian sins for that very moment, they are struggling with an identity crisis. When you sin, you, are, you, you forgot who you are. When you sin, it is because you forgot that Jesus died in your place. He died so you could die with him. That's awesome. And the other thing that liberated me, which this one over here, so you know that you don't have a license to sin, is listen, you and I, we are free to fail because Jesus already won. Did you hear me? We're free to be ordinary because he's extraordinary. Not giving you a license to fail. What I'm telling you is, you couldn't do it on your own if you wanted to. Let his grace work in you. Let his grace do its work in you. Amen? So I'll stand to our feet and let us pray today.